Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. Everybody good? Hey, I wouldn't worship great. my message away. <laughs> Dang it. Oh, it's the best thing. I love it when I want to throw my message away. I know we're on to something. Well, hey, here's what I want to do this morning. Today's message is something I'm calling past, present, and future. And if you wanted to call today a vision Sunday here at the church, you could. That's kind of what we're going to do. Uh, I want to talk to you about like some things ahead for the church, but I need to do that by telling you who we are and where we've come from. Uh, and then maybe just a moment about where we're at right now. And then I want to talk to you about like maybe what we're going to do in the next year or 18 months. Is that okay? Yeah. Uh, one of the things that's happened in the last little bit is uh, there's just been a great big reshuffling. We'll talk more about that later. Great big reshuffling uh, in the world, uh, but also in the church. And there's just a lot of new people here. There's a lot of people I know, but there's a lot of people who are here in the room. And I don't know who you are, and you don't know me, and you don't know us and I feel like in order for us to talk about maybe where we're going to go and what we're going to do in the next year or 18 months, uh, it'd be good for you to know our story. And I want to take a moment and just tell you the vineyard story here for a second. And the first thing I have uh, written down in my little computer this morning, and it may mean something to you or it may not, but it means, it means a tremendous amount to me. The first thing about this church that I need you to know, uh, whether you're uh, an old head around here or whether you're brand new, is that this, this church happened much more than it was planted or planned. When I talk about our little vineyard, I, I tell people it was a happening. It, it really wasn't planted and it, and it, wasn't, it wasn't planned. Uh, these, these days, churches are mostly planted. Like, and by the way, that's a good thing, okay? I want you to hear me on this. Most of the time when you see a new church, it's because someone somewhere was touched by God, they felt they feel commissioned by God to go and obey him and do a new thing. And, and a lot of times churches are planted. And, and here's what planting a church means. Uh, God calls somebody, maybe they move, uh, they build a team, uh, they raise funds, uh, they get a strategy. They talk to other pastors, people who have done this, and they hear the war stories. And then at the end, they go, yes, I still want to do it, even if all those bad things happen to me. And they, they go somewhere and they, they take a team with them and they take a little bit of money, and then they have like informational meetings at the neighborhood. Literally, this is, some of you are like, I don't even know what you're talking about. This is like inside baseball for a second. But, but people will, will hold informational meetings like, hey, we're going to have a church in your neighborhood. You should, you want to come see it? And, and then people come. I don't even know why this works, but it will happen and people will show up. And, 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 and those are the ways you kind of like plant a church. You know, maybe you start a home group and you divide the home group. You have two home groups. You take your two and you turn it into four. And then about then maybe after you have four home groups, maybe you have 40 or 50 people and you go, well, now we're a church and so we'll meet once a month at the YMCA and we have horrible acoustics and the kids go nuts. And that's how churches are planted, okay? Uh, it's an amazing thing and we bless everybody who wants to do it, but that's not what happened here at the Vineyard, okay? Uh, it, was, it was kind of spontaneous and there was a surprise about it. Uh, I, was, I was about 17 when it happened, 16 or 17, and when I'm saying that our church is a happening much more than it was a plan or a strategy, what I don't want you to hear is that a lot of people didn't work hard or sacrifice to make things happen 
because they, they absolutely did. Uh, this church happened and is in this room and has been in Campbellsville for 26 years because a lot of people did sacrifice and give and work really hard. But it wasn't strategic in that way that things are oftentimes scripted. It was, it was instinctual more than it was logic. And to this day, uh, if you come to the vineyard, it's, it's, why we're more, it's why we're more heart than we are head. Okay, so like even at the end of worship, like we start singing, my heart burns for you and Hannah's completely off script and she's singing some other stuff. And some of you are like, what are we doing right now? We're doing the thing we've always done at the vineyard. Well, we're living from our heart more than we're living from our head, okay? And, and I'm not trying to say that one is better than the other. I'm just saying that's who we are. And so um, that's, that's kind of how this thing got going. And if I were to be a little more specific, uh, I'll tell you this part of the story. This particular church started uh, as a prayer meeting. And the first prayer meeting that happened was uh, for two sisters who ended up with cancer at the same time. And when that happened, my, my aunt and uncle, Dick and Diane Salmon, they hosted a meeting to pray over them. And I need you to know something. There are pillars who planted and held this church up. And you just, sometimes you have to name them, right? Like we are who we are in the room this morning because some people did some things that in the moment felt really small but ended up being really big. So I just have to tell you, like Dick and Diane Salmon, you need to know that forever, uh, for as long as there's a vineyard in Campbellsville and for as long as people give their lives to Jesus and get baptized and go to kids' church and do all the things, you need to know it is 99% because Dick and Diane did the, the most human thing you can do when people end up with cancer. You invite them into your house and you pray for them, right? And there's some other people too. Now you have to name them. Uh, Bobby, and, Bobby and Ann Tucker. Like it's Dick and Diane Selman. It's Bobby and Ann Tucker. It's Ray and Kim Hollenbach. And it's Ray and Candy Roberts. And if you were to, if you were to reduce this church down to, to its most bare essentials, it's those four couples and those four families. That's how it happened. And it happened in a prayer meeting on a Tuesday night at Dick and Diane Salmon's house for two sisters who had cancer at the same time. And here's the weird part. They opened up their home and they said, we're going to pray for these ladies. And, and people came. And I don't even understand why this happened other than just the emotional part. But people came. And then eventually, eventually, Dick started another meeting on Friday night. And it was not so much to pray for people, but it was, it was, it was essentially to minister to God. Now, there's all this intuition in here. And when I look back on it, I go, man, this is really brilliant. And it speaks to who we are even to this day. Um, there's, this, uh, there's this intuition on Tuesday night to pray for people who need, who need healing. Because you can't read the Gospels without seeing Jesus the healer. Like, that's just who he is. But then there's this other side. And it was, it was also in Dick and Diane too. And it was, it was this intuition that it's, it's not just about people, but it's also, it's also people to God. And so there was like a Friday night meeting. And this is not a joke. When I explain this to you, some of you think, well, this is not real. This is actually the truth. There was a Friday night meeting and it would start late and it would go late. And it was, it was just to pray and to worship together. Dick called it a watch of the Lord. Uh, let me, how many of you know you don't attract people by naming your meeting a watch for the Lord? <laughs> it's just like not, but people would come. And I was there, I was 17. I was there, I was 17. And, and people showed up to it. And it went really late. And a couple things stick out to me about these meetings. Uh, three things in, in particular. Um, uh, number one, 
These meetings were very low-key, completely lacking hype. This is actually really important. The thing we never want to do here at the Vineyard is hype things. Like, I don't ever want to be a hype beast, you know? I don't, I don't want to sell anything. That's who we are. Uh, there, are moments, there are moments when God is in the room and he's moving, and, 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 and I know the buttons we could push to make it better. We will on purpose not push them. Because like, we, we don't want to manipulate people. And not only that, but, but beyond that, like who we are in our DNA is from the beginning, we, we are like about turning our hearts towards people, especially the sick and the hurting, and then to God and, and to do that in an atmosphere where there's no hype What's, and low key, low key. And that doesn't mean not done well, but just like low key, no hype. The second thing that sticks out to me, and I've already said this, is there was a natural instinct, instinct to move towards people and to move towards God to move towards people in prayer and compassion. It's why here at the Vineyard, every single Sunday at the end, we're going to say, if you're sick in your body and you need healing, you should come forward. And by the way, we're not joking. Like if you can't get prayer at church, where are you going to go? And lots of people, lots of people have been Christians their whole life and never had someone lay their hands on them and pray for them. That's, that's just, that's, that's an unthinkable thought for Vineyard people. So we want to move towards people, especially in prayer and compassion, but then we want to move towards God in prayer and worship. Like, it's the reason why here at the Vineyard, we want to take time and, and worship, and we don't really care about the clock. We just want to leave room for God to be God and for people to move towards him. And, and I know that the signs of true discipleship are people who are beginning to, to raise their hands and raise their voices towards God in worship and to reach out towards their neighbors. That's how you know that it's actually taking root, you know? And that's who we are. That's who we are. That's why we pray for the sick. That's why we worship. That's why we love the presence of God. That's why we are who we are. And then the third thing about this little story is, is this. This church happened as a result of desperation. Like, like a vineyard word, if you want to take a couple words and, and just reduce the whole vineyard, or at least this particular vineyard, down to two words, I would use the words hunger and desperation. Uh, those are vineyard words. Uh, you get desperate when you have two sick sisters, and you get, you get hungry and desperate when your heart is dried out and you know there's more of God. Like those are vineyard words, hunger and desperation. Like if there's anything in your heart that's hungry toward God, that means you're a vineyard person. I'll just tell you, that means you're a vineyard person. If like if you're completely dried out, you hate religion, you don't barely want to go to church anymore, you think nothing works and you're about ready to give up, but you keep coming anyway and you think maybe there's more of God, I want to tell you right now, you came to the right place, you're a vineyard person. And when you don't know what else to do, like when, when there's not any more pills to take, and there's not any more good medicine when you've done all the therapy and nothing else has worked. And you think, man, I'll just like give up. I want you to know you've come to the right place. You're a vineyard person. It, hunger and desperation, those are, those are our words. Um, I, I want to show you maybe one little picture. Reese, can you help me out? Uh, this is the house where the vineyard started. I was telling you that story about the prayer meetings. That's the house where it's, I shot this little photo yesterday, and I was really glad that Dick was in it unloading wood. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, we're here, we're here because something happened in that little house, right? And I just want to reflect, I want to reflect on this in one way, because I've been, I've been thinking about this ever since Emily preached a couple weeks ago about the seed of the kingdom and the yeast of the kingdom. Y'all remember that? We do, we're doing that little series about what is the kingdom of God? And Jesus says, well, kingdom of heaven is like a, a, a little seed. In fact, it's the smallest seed, but it goes in the ground and becomes the biggest tree. And then Jesus says, well, the kingdom of heaven is like a little bit of yeast and it gets 
gets folded into the dough. Like when the yeast goes in the dough, you can't even find it anymore. It's like just, what is yeast? It's like dust, right? It's like the smallest thing. And I just, I want to I wanna say something that I've been thinking about for a couple weeks. You know, sometimes God plants the smallest thing in us and we have no idea what's happening or will happen. Uh, the work of God is often small, insignificant, hidden and obscure. But here we are 26 years later. Like the seed of the kingdom fell into that little living room right there. The yeast of the kingdom got folded in to Dick and Diane and now everybody's here because they responded to a yes to God. And in the moment, if you were there, if you were there 26 years ago, you would go to that meeting and you go, well, God's here, but man, it feels small, hidden, weak, obscure, not very impressive. Uh, you would not think that it would ever become a church. You would not think the result of those meetings would be people would be baptized, people would be married, they would have children, we would stand up here and dedicate them. You would not think that people would be married and buried here at the vineyard. You would not think that this multi-generational uh, outpost of the kingdom would happen. But I'm here to tell you that the kingdom of heaven happens mostly small, obscure, insignificant, and hidden. It's small, it, starts, it starts tiny. And you might be thinking, well, why am I telling you that? I'm telling you that because even, even today in this room, there may be some something from God in your heart that is really small. And I just want to say, keep saying yes to it. You don't know where it's going to go. I'll tell you one other part of the story. Uh, we are a vineyard church and we are connected to the vineyard around the world. There's 600 vineyard churches here in America. There's another 3000 around the world. And the vineyard around the world started 40 years ago in your Belinda, California, in a home group with John Wimber and Carol Wimber and Bob and Penny Fulton. And no one in that room thought that they were gonna have a church movement that was 3,000 churches around the world. Why? Because the kingdom is a seed and it is yeast. It is small, hidden, insignificant. It looks, it looks tiny. It doesn't look powerful. But if you keep saying yes to God, it can become something more. This is who we are. So we started there and then, then we went to another building and I was gonna show you a picture of it, but it's blurry on my phone. <laughs> I don't know why I thought I could just drive. I don't know what. Sometimes I do want to tell you one story about our second building. It has nothing to do with this message. It's just my favorite story of the second building. The second building was like a storefront over next, over next to Dr. Summer Tucker's office. You know where that is? By the station. It's like not really where you want to start a church, if I'm being honest. Like, how do you find it? No one knows. I mean, like it's literally hidden in every way. But we had this little storefront and it would, it would on a good Sunday, maybe there would be 40 people there. And we had, we had those white plastic chairs from Walmart. You know, if you lean back in them, the, the, the legs break off and you fall on the floor. It happened. I mean, yeah, but that's not even my favorite story. My favorite story is that if worship were good, and by, by good, I just mean if some people were singing and we got loud, we had this terrible sound system. I mean, it was just abusive, right? Like we just abused people with music. And if worship got good, my very favorite thing that would happen, and it, wasn't, and it didn't happen infrequently, is that the breaker would get thrown because of our sound system and everything, everything would go off. I'm talking the sound system would go off, the lights would go off, everything would just go off, right? So the worship man is doing their best, people are singing, and then black, you know, everything's off. But the best part is, is that Ray Hollenbach, who was the pastor at the time, would have to leave, not the room, the building, to go to the building next door to flip all the breakers back on and then we can come back and have church. And, and my very, very favorite part is that only happened when we had visitors. 
Like, how do you know when we're going to throw the breakers? When, when a couple new people come. Like, when it would be the most embarrassing, that's when it would happen. Okay. Move on. Everybody good? Okay. Moving on. Okay, so that's, that's kind of, a, that's a really tiny snapshot. I left too much out, but that's a little bit about who we are and where we came from. Uh, where are we right now? Well, here's what I think. I think we're in a moment of recovery. I mean, I, I don't know if you guys realize this or not, but we've had a couple tough years. And I'm not just talking about like us here at the Vineyard. I'm talking about the world. <laughs> the world has had a couple tough years. Uh, and especially, it's just been hard to be a person. And beyond being a person, it's been hard to be a Christian. And it's been hard to come to church. It's been real hard to have a church. Um, let, me, let me just tell you some inside baseball here about leadership for the last couple of years. Go find a leader anywhere and just tell them you think they're okay. Okay, I mean, like, like go hug a leader anywhere because the last two years has been basically this. It's just been lose-lose. And the only comfort is, is I, I talked to a mentor early on and he's like, well, the only thing you do when it's lose-lose is you just pick how, how you want to lose fast. <laughs> that was the advice he gave me, right? And I thought, that's not bad advice. So we just, we made some decisions and stuck to them. But like, Seriously, last couple of years have been so difficult. Like go to your school principals, to any of your bosses, anybody who's had to make a call about anything and just tell them, hey, everything is great and you are awesome, right? Because it's been bananas. Everything that's been happening in a mega sense has happened in the micro. Everything that's been individual has been, it's been nuts. Uh, we've had COVID. Uh, we've had uh, contentious elections. We had the George Floyd moment, and it's taken its toll on people. And by the way, it's taken its toll on church, uh, the big C church and this church. Uh, I've literally never seen so many things change as they have in the last two years. I'm 43. That doesn't mean I've seen everything, but I've seen a lot in 43 years. The last two years have been the most volatile and extreme change that I've ever seen in my life. Uh, pe people have been saying this for a minute, but it's really true. We've, we've experienced a cultural tsunami. Like if you're hoping it's gonna go back to the way it was before, it's not. It's not, things have just permanently changed. That's not me saying it won't be good, it will be good. It's just never gonna be that, it'll be different. Uh, a wave came ashore and it rearranged a few things. The foundations have been shaken. And one of the questions that people are asking right now uh, are these two questions, whether they know it or not. People are asking, uh, what is true and what is good? These are the things that people are asking. Even if they don't consciously know it, they're asking what is true and what is good. And, and by the way, those two questions have been shaken and tested. Of course, of course, most people are looking less and less for answers to these questions today in the places that they traditionally have. And there are reasons for that. Some people are jaded with institutions. How many of you know that people are jaded with institutions? Uh, let me just ferret this out for a second. People don't trust the church. People don't trust colleges and universities. People do not trust the government. People do not trust experts. Like institutions and experts are just gone. And, and here's why. Uh, because institutions have lied and, and some people have behaved badly. Now, it doesn't mean that all institutions have lied and it doesn't mean that all people have behaved badly, but some have and it's more visible, right? And it's not fun. I don't, I don't, think, I don't think I've ever heard the word misinformation so much in my life. I don't think I ever heard it until two years ago. I, I was trying to think, did I ever hear the word misinformation in high school? I'm sure I didn't. And at the same time, we're still underestimating the degree to which 
Our ability to Google anything, anytime is shaking, shaping our social psychology. One more little rabbit hole here. Uh, the internet is mostly about two things in particular. Number one, connection, and number two, selling stuff. And when it comes to connection, uh, we can find whatever we're looking for, no matter how weird. This is, this is what the internet has given rise to. Like, no matter what weird thought, uh, hope, uh, no matter what weird impulse, no matter what weird desire, no matter how obscure or niche it is, you can find it on the internet and you'll find a community who will say yes to it and agree with you. Um, number two, we can, broadcast, we can broadcast to others from around the world. We can, everybody in the room can literally talk to everybody else in the whole world. That's a kind of powerful new form of life. Here's what it means. We can form a community, we can, we can form a community around almost anything. It doesn't matter if it's truly good or beautiful. And because it's disembodied, and because it's disembodied, we can't tell if it's real. But it feels real because of how we interface with the internet. There's something about reading text, and there's something about websites that triggers something in our brain. And even though we can't tell if it's real because it's disembodied, there's something about the interface that makes us, makes us think or feel that it's real. Second thing, the, inter the internet wants to offer us what sells, whether it's a product or an idea, so long as it keeps us clicking and scrolling. And if you put all that together, you get, you get this. You get splintering like never before. You get disruption. We've experienced political, social, and psychological disruption, mistrust of institutions, uh, an ability to find the truth, any, any kind of truth on the internet. And the internet is preying upon that, on that searching heart, and it preys upon it for monetary gain. And when you, what, when you put all of that together, what you get is you get splintering like never before. Here, here's what I'd like to say this morning, church. Things have come apart. Things have come apart. They've actually come apart. But here's what I also know. Things are coming back together. I was reminded of some, some lyrics from Tom Waits this week. They literally popped right into my brain. Reese, help me out. Tom, Tom Waits wrote this. He said, you can never hold back spring. You can be sure I'll never stop believing the blushing rose that will climb, spring ahead or fall behind. Winter dreams the same dream every time. But baby, you can never hold back spring. The world has splintered. The world has come apart, but here's what I also know. It's coming back together. It's been a tough couple years, but I don't know about you, but, but I, I can feel that something's turning. I had a weird little experience the other day. I went out of the house the other day and it was like 16 degrees. I was scraping thick ice off of my windshield. And when I finished scraping the thick ice off of my windshield, when I stopped that for a moment, I could hear the, the sound of birds singing in my woods. And it wasn't crows, but it was actual pretty birds singing a pretty song on a 16 degree morning. And this wave of joy came over me, even though my hands were freezing, I'm scraping frost off of my windshield. But in the distance, the birds are singing a new, hope of, a new song of hope. And whatever's happening in the world, I want to say it's coming to some kind of an end. 
We've been afraid. Uh, people have experienced loss. Uh, some of us in the room have lost people. Uh, the world really has gone mad. Uh, here's the truth. Might go madder. I don't know. Uh, our church got rocked. Uh, but here we are, two years later, and there's a lot of familiar faces in the room and a, br- a bunch of brand new folks. And, and here's, here's where I think we are right now. I, I think we're coming out of winter and in the spring, into spring and you can't hold it back. I mean, it was in the room this morning. There's, some, there's like some springtime in the room this morning. You know, it's been cold for a while and there's some springtime in the room. Okay, past, present. I want to talk about the future just for a second. What about the future of this little particular vineyard church? Well, the future of this little particular vineyard church is this. We're going to keep preaching the kingdom of heaven. We are going to keep proclaiming the kingdom of God. We're going to lean hard into that message. And I just want to, I just want to tell you what that message is real quick, okay? Here's, here's roughly what the message of the kingdom is. Uh, there is a God who made the world, and the world is deeply, deeply good and deeply, deeply flawed. You can't leave the flaw part out. People are trying to just say the world is good. I want you to know the world is good. It was first good. It is also flawed. You cannot skip over the flawed part. People are dying. Uh, People are treating other people really poorly. You need a word for that. If you don't want to call it sin, at least call it flawed. It is deeply, deeply flawed. But when when things seem the darkest, Uh, The message of the kingdom is this, that God came closest. Uh, The message of the kingdom is something like this. The flaws have been eclipsed by the love of God shown up in the son of God. God put on human flesh and rather than rejecting and killing his enemies, Jesus was rejected and killed. This This is fundamental to the message of the kingdom. The world is good. It is deeply flawed. And and in the moment where you would most want to give up on it, God came to check on his his beloved world and he came in person. He did not send mental management. And rather than killing his enemies uh, and rather than rejecting his enemies, Jesus Christ was himself rejected and killed by his enemies. But God raised him to life. And when God raised that Jesus to life, God still did not go after his enemies, but instead Jesus forgave them yet again. And then after that, Jesus ascended into heaven where he currently sits and rules. We don't ever talk about the ascension very much. We should talk about the ascension more. What does it mean? Jesus ascended to heaven. Here's what it means. It means Jesus rules the universe right now. Things seem chaotic. This is part of our vineyard story, and we're going to keep telling it. Uh, The world seems chaotic. The world seems like it's out of control. Here's the truth. Jesus sits in heaven. He rules. Even in the midst of chaos, there is, there is a ruler. And, and the ruler is not a domineering person who's out to, out to get his way with coercion and force. Instead, the person who rules is the person who laid down his life for his enemies. And this is good news. That's actually the good news. The person who's pulling the levers is not the strongest guy who makes everybody do what he says because he's the strongest guy. And if they don't do what he says, he punches them or worse Instead, the strongest guy is the weakest guy, the guy who laid down his life. And that's the person who's ruling the universe. That's why it's good news. The world is not as chaotic as it seems. The world has a prince and his name is Jesus. And the future here at this vineyard is we're going to keep telling that story. 
We're going to keep telling that story. We're going to do our very best to live into that story. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians. He said, God gave us this gift. He gave us this gift of calling people to be reconciled to God. Next one, Reese. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. You want a, you want a, a little something to put on your bathroom mirror? Put that one on there. God in Christ, he was reconciling the world to himself, no longer calling, counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message. What are we going to do here at the vineyard? We're going to keep telling the story about the God who no longer calls counts people's sins against them. Instead, he brings them close to them. And we're going to be people who just keep telling that story. That's literally the only thing we're going to do. And here's what I've discovered over the last couple of years. People are desperate to hear this word. People are desperate to hear the word that there is a God, that the world is not chaos. There is a prince. There is someone who is bringing order to everything that's disrupted. And that person is the very person who lays his life down for his enemies rather than killing his enemies. Okay, let's get practical here real quick. Here, what does all of this mean, practically speaking? Well, here's what it means. It, 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 means, it means something like this. Uh, the, church, the church here, it, it's, it's full again. Uh, we've had three waves of rebuilding this church, by the way. This is, this is uh, version 3.0 <laughs> since the pandemic. There was original COVID, and that blew our church apart. And then we got every, everything back together. Do you guys remember those two Sundays where we dedicated babies? We nearly broke the building. We, we literally ne nearly broke. I mean, we would have, like the fire department would not be pleased. Like we, we, we broke this building. And then, and then in August, the Delta wave came. You guys remember that? We didn't really have much COVID in Campbellsville until Delta showed up. And then it exploded. And it blew our church literally apart. We, we were busting at the scenes and we went to like, I think there was one Sunday in August where we had like 60 people. It was just like, what happened, right? And then, and then all, all fall long, we, we re rebuilt it back up, and then Ami, Ami came and hit us in the face. I think, I think four weeks ago, five weeks ago, five, and, five weeks ago and four weeks ago, my phone was just texting. It was just people texting me every 25 minutes saying, I have COVID. <laughs> I mean, literally, it was just like, I have COVID. I'm like, what I wanted to say was, we all do, brother. Like, it's, we, we all have COVID. Like, my COVID has COVID. Like, five weeks ago, I, for real. Here's what it means, practically speaking, though. The, the church is filling back up, and you can feel things coming back together. And, like, last week, we were just, we were squeezed. This week, we're full again. And here's what's wild is a lot of our, our regulars are still on the way, you know? And here's what it means real practical. Let me get super practical now. Like this room works pretty good, but, but when it's like this in this room, here's what it means. It means the kid's wing is nuts. Um, last week, Heather had 28 kids in the first through fifth grade class. Uh, a few weeks before that, she had 36 in there, and she had to take 10 of them into the kitchen. She had to put 10 of them in the kitchen. You know, on a decent week, like on a, like a normal week that feels kind of like this in here, there's probably over 70 kids in the little kid's wing over there. Uh, and in case you didn't know, that is not sustainable. 
it's not, it's not sustainable. It's not, it's not good for the teachers. It's not good for the kids. It's just, we, we just like, what do you do at church? You just, you make things work, right? But it's not sustainable. So what does that mean? Real practical. Here's what it means. It means in the next, in the next probably six or seven months, we got to go to two services again. Okay. Um, that's just a good use of the building. And by the way, every single time we open up the doors, just new people will come. That's what we know. Like if you, if you just open the doors at 11 o'clock, there'll just be some 11 o'clock people who will come who would never come at 10. Why? I don't know, but it is true. That's a thing. But here's what it also means practically. It means we're going to need more volunteers every single place in the church and especially Kids Wing. Uh, and by the way, that's all of us. It, it, it'll take every single person in this room uh, to be the church that Jesus wants this, this place to be. So practically speaking, what does it mean? In the next six months, we got to go to two services. Uh, if we go to two services, all the volunteer teams have to double. And the one that is most stressful is Kids Church. It's going to take everybody in the room to do the thing that's next. Uh, the second thing that's on the horizon is that we're going to need more staff here at the Vineyard. I, I told you this a few weeks ago. Uh, we're going to need to hire an, an actual kids minister here at the Vineyard. And by the way, this is, this is no small thing. Uh, Heather's been filling in on this role for a good while, but she's about to be full-time in another job. Uh, and that's going to leave us needing to make a hire. And like I told this church a few weeks ago, uh, we're going to receive our big give offering at the end of this month in February. So the last Sunday in February, we're going to receive our big give offering. 100% of that offering is going to go towards kids, church, staff, hire. And uh, here's what I would love. I would love it if we received that offering from uh, this church. I'd love to receive that offering, and I would love that offering to be two years of really, really good, solid part-time salary uh, for a brand new hire. I think that will take between forty dollars and $50,000 to make that happen. I'd love to just receive that, and then, uh, and then I would love for uh, me and, and uh, Andrew and Dusty and Heather uh, to have a little... Uh, a little human resources team to be able to put the job search into full swing so that we can hire a real kids church person. Let me just tell you about this for a second as well. I I don't know if you know this or not, but the kids church staff person, that's a tough position, y'all. It's one of the hardest positions in the whole church. And so what we want to do is we want to receive an offering and we want to have a real salary for somebody who's like, you know, part-time-ish, but somebody who's serious and who can really get the work done. Does that make sense? That's what we need to do. Now, if we go a little further out, uh, here's the next thought after those two things. Uh, We'll probably need to acquire a little more land, add onto our parking lot again, and then add onto our building. Okay, so we, right before the pandemic, we bought this little piece of gravel out here. It wasn't gravel, it was a big piece of crazy woods and we turned it into a gravel parking lot. I, I'm going to try to go find out who owns the really crazy piece of land, kind of like at an angle back here where the telephone line runs. I'm going to try to figure out who owns that and buy another acre of that and extend our parking lot back that direction some so we can add onto our building this way. And if we add onto our building this way, what are we going to do? We're going to build a kid's wing, like an actual one. <laughs> they can hold more than 35 kids in a room, and we need a place for youth. The youth have no room. They just, they, they just go everywhere, right? <laughs> Which is fine. We want them to be feral, but we would like to lock them. <laughs> but we, we, need, we need to build on 
for these kinds of things. That's probably a little further out, but the first two steps are the first two, order of operations. You gotta do everything in parentheses first, right? Right? Well, the, everything that's in parentheses is this. Uh, we, we gotta get back to two services. We have to build up our volunteer teams, especially in the kids' wing. Then we need to make a kids' church worker staff hire. And then we need to figure out this land. And then we need a plan. And then we need to add onto our building. Does that make sense? And why are we gonna do all of that? Uh, here's why we're gonna do all of that. Because some people prayed for sick people and prayed to God 26 years ago in a living room and God planted the mustard seed and the yeast of the kingdom in them and it grew and it grew and it grew and we want to let that thing grow some more. That's what we wanna do. It's a time for us to come together, uh, not just in the room, but it's a time for us to come together and make some room for some other people who need to be in the room. Amen? I know that was a little longer than normal, guys, but I feel like we have to do this. Is that okay? Is that okay? We're still gonna beat the Baptist to fiesta. I mean, we're, that's one of the things I love about 10 o'clock church. You come to 10 o'clock church, you get out here at 1115 and man, you, you roll right into Garcia's. Ain't nobody there. You get the freshest, you get the freshest quesadillas. This is also the good news. It is. It is. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.